0: Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged, and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life.
1: Hi, my name is Joel. Hello. I've been coming to this church since I was four years old, so uh, 36 years. So when Shave says I'm an up-and-comer, I've been up-and-coming for a long time. Uh, in that time, I've uh, served in just about every area of the church, um, even women's, but it's a story for another time. Uh, currently serving on the security team, the prayer team, and in kids. And uh, let me tell you, kids is, God's doing incredible things in the kids of our church. Uh, we're seeing lots of decisions made to uh, serve God, baptisms, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, and just kids generally only walking out their faith with God. And uh, it's just inspiring. They're, they're also evangelists. They're bringing their friends. Kids' church is getting bigger. Need more kids' church workers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during the week, I'm a chaplain at Alder One College. So Alder One College is a care school that this church partners with. And so I'm a chaplain there, and that's a school for, um, well, we call them at-risk young people, but really the, the young people that's got, that have stuff going on in their life that makes mainstream school really hard for them to engage with. And so we're about coming alongside them, supporting them, and helping them to re-engage with, with education and, and a life that's um, positive. So uh, that's what I do. I'm really grateful to Jess and Shafe, uh for the opportunity to share something that I feel like God's put on my heart. Uh, For you guys, so let's jump jump into the recap. We've been talking about like it's the new year, right? And so we make these new year resolutions. So a new year resolution is a change that you are you're trying to make to align yourself with the you that you want to be. So last year, I said every year one new year's resolution, and last year my new year's resolution was not to eat fast food. Well. Well, not quite fast food, it was not to eat Hungry Jack's, KFC, McDonald's, Red Rooster or Chicken Treat, right? The big five. <laughs> I don't like Domino's and Pizza Hut, so I left those out. Yeah. Uh, and look, I went, I went well, I, I did it. I mean, when I was in Bali, I ate at Burger King because Burger King and Hungry Jack's, are, that's a different named establishment. <laughs> <coughs> so that's okay. Uh, but it was, it was tough, you know, especially when I'm, I'm working at the one office in town and we're looking straight across at Red Rooster and they've got those, like, cheap and yummy lunch meals, right? But I drag myself across the Woolies car park for my beetroot and couscous salad. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track a little bit. But, like, I get home and, uh, you know, it'd be a rough day. And my wife would be like, do, do you want a hug? And I'm like, I want an ultimate double whopper with cheese minus onion <laughs> in a large meal with a strawberry fix shake for a drink. <clears throat> but I did it. I got through it. But like a resolution is something that you're trying to do. It's something that you're trying to achieve, right? Uh, what we are talking about is a revolution. My gosh, that's an old photo of me. So I've worn that shirt maybe twice in my life. I got a photo when I did. So, where, where was I? Um, so, we want to talk about a revolution. A revolution is the idea of um, overthrowing a government or a social order in favour of a new system, right? And so, in this series, we're talking really about a personal revolution where we want to overthrow the old system that focuses on doing, right? Like New Year's resolutions. I still set one for myself this year, but I'm, you know, we're throwing that out. And establish a new system that focuses on who we are. And more significantly, the biblical truths of who God says we are. All right, so we all have these incorrect perceptions of ourselves that shade our relationship with God, right? So um, we use family and authority in our lives, authority figures, to feel acceptance, we can try to impose those templates of acceptance on our relationship with God. And and we do, you know, we try to give God a, a face, or a, you know, trying to imagine God as a certain way. Look, maybe you found some acceptance here at oceans, and that's good, that's great. But I I want to let you know that that's just a taste. I guarantee that God's love for you and his perspective towards you, is, it exceeds your expectations and your imagination. So, as we dive into a biblical truth about how he sees you, my prayer is that you will be willing to have your eyes opened today. That you will be ready to be uplifted and loved that you will allow true perspective to overthrow and displace one that, that does not represent the reality of how God sees you. I really want you to discover the truth that you are accepted. So this message is called, I am accepted. All right, so let's uh, look at the key passage. Uh, so this is Ephesians 1.5. There it is. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. We're going to break this down, okay? So point one, I am accepted as family. So for me, my connection to church through family, because I've been a pastor's kid, you know, as Chaffin said, I'm I'm his brother-in-law, right? So it's always been that church is a place of family for me, right? And it's always formed a core part of my identity uh, and how I measured my worth. So church has been great. It's given me siblings to hang out with and to compete with, right? It's given me discipline to keep me from becoming a fool. I hope that's right. Mum and Dad Am I a fool. No, it's a... <clears throat> uh, it's given me experienced Christians to bounce my thoughts and ideas off. So in a family, you experience growth and comfort together. And that's why, you know, this community is so important to me. I get to experience growth and comfort with you guys. So in God's family, Jesus is kind of like a big brother, right? He's someone that you aspire to be like, someone who is willing to take the fall for us if we get into trouble. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide in all things. And God is like our Father, right? He sets the expectations and holds us accountable but he'll never let anything separate us from his love. So this is the ultimate form of belonging. Your family is for life. Now, I don't know what your family relationships are like, but I tell my kids, you know, your siblings are your family. They're there. They're going to be there. They're not going anywhere. You're stuck with them, right? Friends will come and go, But your family will always be your family. You know, you may have to share rooms with them, share meals with them, right? We're going to cram you into the car when we go to Bremer Bay on holiday, right? Um, Your family are there. You're stuck with them. Until you're 18 when I kick you out. (laughs) There, you've got seven years. (laughs) Don't worry, you're going to be ready. (laughs) <laughs> My wife's laughing because she plans to have him till he's 38. <laughs> so, even after that, you've got Christmas dinners. You know, you, your kids and their kids are going to be cousins. You just family is going to be all up in your space all of your life. And so, you should approach every interaction... Like, they're not going anywhere. Like, I'm sowing for a future of this, this relationship, right? And so I, I tell my kids this. Um, and it's, it's like this with God as well. Like, Look, I want to acknowledge that like, not everyone's family is like this. And sometimes uh, we've experienced absences in our families or, or something that like, our society calls a broken families, Right? But I believe that God's heart for family is that we would be together. And his heart, as a father to you, is to be able to be close to you, all up in your space for the rest of your life. And some of us uh, might be doing relationship with God like it's some kind of temporary thing, temporary fling, uh, that you can leave if it stops suiting you. Or you think that God might leave because others have? These templates that we put on God. So let me make it clear to you that God sees you as family and He goes before you and He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It says that in Deuteronomy eight. So He made us family and He did it by bringing us to Himself through Christ. So here's the next question. The next question is how? How did he bring imperfect humans with a simple nature who have all broken the law of God to be with him as family? Which brings me to point two. I am chosen by God to be loved. God decided this in advance. That, that passage from um, Ephesians that we had up before, it starts with God decided in advance before you did or didn't do anything to deserve it. It's not based on what you do, but the fact that He loves you. It's like my kids. I knew that I would love my kids before they even came along because they're a part of me and a part of my wonderful wife, right? It's like that with God. In Ephesians 1.4, it says, Even before He made the world, God loved and chose us. So, how did a holy God, who sets expectations and holds us accountable, adopt imperfect humans with sinful nature who have all broken the law of God? In Galatians 3:13, it explains how. It says, "But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, the law that we broke. When He hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing." So, God decided even before we were born, price paid, no matter how high the costs. Some of you are thinking, yeah, my cost is high. No matter how high the costs, yeah. adoption papers signed, ultimate acceptance. So, point three I am worth it to God. Now, at this point, I start going. I start feeling those insecure thoughts like, oh, but it must have really hurt, right? It cost him so much. Surely he must be, surely God must resent me a little bit for like what his son had to go through. Surely he knows deep down that I'm not worth it. Why would you pay a great price for something? So, my family, we, uh, at the end of last year, we renovated our house. When I say at the end of last year, it was like a long passage of time because we all know what it's like to try and get tradies uh, at the moment. But we renovated our house, right? And it costs a lot. It's not cheap to do that. But when I'm sitting on the toilet, because we all know you should never rush a poo. And I don't have a child on the outside banging on the door because their poo cycle is weirdly aligned to my own. (coughs) Because they can go to their own toilet, because we've got two now. (coughs) It's worth it. (coughs) When my kids can retreat to their own room, I mean, my boys used to bunk together. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like any argument that started that day would like continue that night. The fact that they can retreat to their own rooms now, emotionally regulate, come out and like make up, it's worth it. <laughs> when we're in our nice big kitchen now, it's not, I mean, it's not that big, but it's big compared to what we had, and I can prepare dinner while my wife is making lunches for the next day, and my kids can come in and grab snacks that ruin their appetite for the dinner I'm cooking. It's worth it, right? So our newly renovated house design is something that we wanted to do and it brings us great pleasure. Let's have a look at our scripture again. Ephesians 1.5. Well, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. You were worth it. Not only are you worth it, but God doesn't see adopting you as an inconvenience or paying a bill. Adopting you is something that he wanted to do at any cost. Having you as a part of the family brings him great joy. For me, this was a game changer. Knowing that I am accepted by God, not based on what I did, but who I am. You remember before when I said that my connection to church was a a way that I measured my worth? That wasn't always healthy. In my early 20s, uh, I had a bit of a crisis of faith. I knew God was real and I I believed in God, but I, I... Realized I hit this wall where I realised I couldn't live up to the expectations that I felt I had of myself within this community. I couldn't, I mean, when Tyrus was talking about God has called us to live holy, right? And I'd gotten that all twisted up. I'd gone, oh, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this. And I realised that I couldn't do it. And so I found myself like all messed up in my head going, I need to walk away from church and my relationship with God because I can't measure up. And that hurt because that was where my family was, you know. And so I did, I kind of, in my heart, I walked away from it. But um, look, if you're a parent bringing your kids to church, keep bringing them to church because I was able to kind of walk away from that in my heart, but I wasn't able to kick the habit of coming to church. And so I found myself uh, one day hung over in the back row of church. And my dad was preaching a message that I've probably heard a thousand times before, but it clicked. I got it, right? It hit. Grace. The problem was that I was judging my worth on my own actions. But I got it then. I went, wow. God loves me no matter what. that bit's taken care of. The stuff that comes after that, the the set apart to live holy stuff, stuff that you work on with God, but the the fact that God loves you and you're a part of a family, that's already taken care of. That doesn't rely on anything that you do. And I realized I'm accepted as family. I was chosen by God to be loved. I was worth it to God. So because of this, now I'm secure. I know who I am and where I belong. My response now is that I live for Him. This is why I work at Altar One. It's where I feel God's called me to be. And I love it. This is why I'm a volunteer at Kids Church and on prayer team and the security team. I am family and living for God. Living for God is just what this family does. my prayer for you is that you'll be able to grasp just how much you are accepted and valued by God. So please stand so that I can pray this over you. Lord, I thank you that you have accepted us, that you have adopted us into your family. I ask you, Lord, to impart on each person here the realisation of how you feel towards them, how you see them, Lord, that they're accepted as family, that they're chosen to be loved, that they're worth it to you. In Jesus' name, I bind all falsehoods and lies that are tainting their experience right now. Remove incorrect uh, incorrect perceptions, Lord, replace them with the truth. Lord, whatever shadows are over anybody's eyes right now, whatever lens they're seeing through, Lord, drop it. I just want them to see themselves as you see them, Lord. So reach out to God right now. Just extend your consciousness towards God. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. Right now, Lord, I just ask right now that they would see themselves like you see them. Lord, touch their hearts. Show them how much you love them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, thank you for listening to me. I'm going to hand over to Kate Ray. Everybody, a round of applause for Kate.
0: Good morning, everybody. It is really great to be with you. We're in the second to last week of the series. I am your last guest speaker and the largest. So... We, I am so keen to be able to share with you this morning. I think this has been a fantastic series of how we've started this year. Joel set it up so well at the start of his preach of really what the goal of this series has been. And I've personally been really blessed to be able to spend time right at the beginning of the year, not focusing on what we're doing and the same old, same old New Year's resolutions, but actually looking at who we are and our being before we step into any of that, because being grounded in our identity, that's the launch pad that we want for 2024. So I'm stoked for this and we've had amazing speakers. I do just want to throw out there though, Oceans Perth has been doing this series as well. They have had home run speakers every week. So if you have the time, you've got six extra preaches that you can watch over the next couple of weeks, just pop them on in the car. They're amazing. But as for myself, I'm Kate. Uh, As of yesterday, my husband and I have been in Albany for one year, so we're really stoked. It's pretty awesome. Albany's great. For those of you that are new, stick around. It's awesome. I joined Ocean's Church up in Perth, actually, uh, when it was called Everlife in Easter 2019. And since then, I met Zach at a dinner party. They're great for that. And we are now expecting our little girl in just about nine weeks. So... I am the academy coordinator here at Oceans and in project management. So I have my hand in lots of little pots, but I will be going on mat leave soon. So this is also a disclaimer. If I'm out of breath, that is because there's no air. Nothing. I had a chat with her this morning saying like, please behave, but she was like MMA fighting a rib about 45 minutes ago. So if I pause or I take a deep breath, It's not for emotion, necessarily. It's because I can't breathe. Um, But in this season of being pregnant, it has been wild. Building a human from scratch has just blown my mind completely. But I've also been spending a lot of time wondering what she's going to be like and just thinking, okay, is she going to be funny? Is she going to be a bookworm like me? Is she going to be super beachy like her dad? Kind of looking at what are those personality traits going to be? but also the physical. I'm so excited to see what parts of Zach she gets and what parts of me she gets. I have prayed many times that she will tan as easily as Zach. But if she gets my hair, um, that's great. (laughs) Just kidding, but not really. (laughs) But I have been really thinking, what is she going to look like? What is she going to be like? What are her skills, her dislikes going to be? And there has been every once in a while where I've thought, oh, Lord, please don't let her get this. <laughs> please don't let her have this insecurity. Just save her that time in her teenage years. Because there have been lots of times in my life where I have wished certain parts of myself were different. And I've had to reckon with those and accept those things about myself, deal with insecurities unsuccessfully for many years, I might add. Whether it was being tall girl, curvy girl, Big feet, not the most charismatic person in the world, or clever. I was in a family where everybody had something that they excelled at. Where it felt like it took 10,000 times the effort for me to have something that I was good at. And so in comparison with other people, it just, I didn't feel like I had something that was my own strength, something that I could own. And there was definitely a lot of time where I just didn't understand why I was the way that I was. I didn't love the way that I was, and there was this root of unacceptance in that. And we can do that to ourselves at any stage of life, not just as a kid or a teenager. We can be full-grown adults and be asking that question of, why am I the way that I am? It was probably in my early 20s, it was the most glaring, as people are shooting off into careers and families and having kids, and you're like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, what, what is it of me? But this comparison that I had, of valuing the opinions of others above anybody else's, it just chipped away at identity, slowly but surely. And there might be some of you in this room that are asking that same question. Why am I the way that I am? And although I viewed myself through that lens of insecurity, it was not the way that God saw me. He saw me so differently than I would view myself. If we get into scripture and we start looking at the way that God sees us, he sees us as good. He sees us as beautiful. He sees us as his creation. And I think we've mentioned that through this series. We are his creation. And so there's several scriptures that you can find in the Bible that are going to show you what God says about your identity. But I'm just going to pull out one this morning. This one In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance. In the NLT, it says we are God's masterpiece. And I love that. Who doesn't want to be called a masterpiece? (laughs) That's so nice. (laughs) And so this morning, the title of the message is I Am a Masterpiece. And I want to draw out two key points from this scripture that I really believe will continue to build upon our understanding of our identity that we've had over this series. So to start, I would love for you to think about a gorgeous piece of art. You might think of the Mona Lisa. If that's not your vibe, that's totally okay. You could think of a sculpture. Think of an impressionist painting. Just think of something that's been created by an artist, created by a maker. My first point this morning is that masterpieces are created intentionally and uniquely. There is never another one like it, and that is what makes it special. If there were 10,000 of the exact same thing, there wouldn't be this immense value that's given to it. For example, Ikea couches. Oh, no, we lost my notes. There we go. I've never used an iPad for notes before. So there we are. We're good, learning quickly. So think about Ikea couches. There is a million of them, so they're not unique. They are designed, but because there's so many of them and they're all the same, there isn't this immense value. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. When a potter is shaping a sculpture, shaping something, every detail is original. Maybe it's the colors, maybe it's the texture, could be the shape or form. Some details have function, but some details are just for aesthetic. When you're shaping something by hand, every detail is going to be distinct, and you can't 100% make a copy of it. We are no different. We are the prized masterpiece of the potter who formed us, God. Your dimples, your freckles, your height, all those things that we have, we are unique, intentionally made by God. And it's not just the physical. Our giftings, those are the things that are also intentional from God. There is not meant to be another person who can do what you can do the way that you can do it. And one might have the natural ability to run for miles like a Ramsey, while another person might be able to design and sew an outfit in an hour. I'm not that person. I really wish I was. (laughs) But our uniqueness is our strength as well. And when those strengths are mixed in, with other traits that we find hard to accept, it can really muddy the view that we are a masterpiece overall. We begin to question the creator, question why did you make me the way that I made me? But all these unique and beautiful things about you, they were created for a purpose. Ultimately, a masterpiece is created for a purpose. And this is my second point that I'd like to draw out. Now. If you think of another object, I'd love for you to think of like a luxury watch. Not an Apple watch, although there are diehards for Apple, and that might be luxury. But think of like a really expensive Swiss watch, made by hand, intricately, all the cogs and dials, the leather work, the metalwork. Those things last for decades, and there's precision and skill that's needed to create them. But at the end of the day, a watch is not just to look at. It has a function. The watch is there to tell you the time. There is function and purpose alongside the details that make it beautiful. And each watch might tell you the time a little bit differently, but there was a plan for that watch to have a function. If we go back to that verse in Ephesians, in the second half it says, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us to do in advance. You were created with a plan in mind. You were created intentionally and uniquely with a purpose, with individual strengths that are fit for that purpose. So why would we compare ourselves to others when my giftings are intentionally different than someone else's? And while we have all these different and unique ways that we're going to outwork our purpose, I do believe that there is one communal purpose that we all have together, and that is the spread of the gospel. If you've ever questioned if what you were created on earth to do, I guarantee you this is a part of it. This is a part that we share. And everything on top of that is just a bonus. There's a chapter in the Bible, First Corinthians is the book, and it's in chapter 12. And it talks about the church being one body and being made up of many parts. We are those parts. And when we bring all our different functions, we're different limbs of the body, the body's able to function together it should, but only when we come together as one, when we come together as the body of the church. We each bring our unique expression of how God created us to the whole body of believers. And together, we can reach the lost in far better ways than we could on our own. You were created to do good works. That's what this verse is trying to show us. You were created to be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth, to be a representation of his character and values to those around us. Now, these two things are ingrained in me now, but they weren't when I first knew Jesus. They weren't there innately when I got to know him. When I was saved, I did not automatically see myself the way that God saw me. I still carried my opinions of myself and my comparison But there came a point where I had to reconcile those things with God's view to be able to see the fullness of what he had for me. I was consistently comparing myself to others to measure up of, am I a good enough Christian? Am I pretty enough? Am I talented enough? Am I good enough? And all that comparison would just lead to disappointment. Comparison is going to be a trap that will completely rob you of your purpose. So what I did is what I often did as a young Christian, I found someone to pray for me. When I was experiencing something that didn't line up with what I was seeing in the Bible, the only thing I knew how to do was to just ask for prayer. That's about the extent of the skill that I had in understanding the Bible. But when I asked that person to pray for me, I was asking them, I really want to know how God sees me. Would you pray for me that I would understand how he views me? over how I view myself, over how I see other people viewing me. And it was one of the most important prayers that I have prayed. It gave me so much clarity, because God spoke clearly about how he felt for me and what he loved about me. And those days when I received those words, what I also did was I had to choose by faith, not by my feelings, not by the way I'd been thinking before. I had to agree with what he said about my identity first. And that became my launch pad. Being grounded in what God says about you versus your own thoughts and opinions, that is a grounding that gives you a platform for your purpose. And it's very hard to step into your purpose if you don't accept the tools that he's given you to do so. Now when I did that, was there a neon sign afterwards that said, Caitlin, this is what you will do for the rest of your life? No. I'm sorry to disappoint, but it was not that easy. I wish it would but I did understand how he felt about me. And from that day, it was an act of going to him and hearing from him first what he thinks about me and what he had to say that began the journey of nudging me and prompting me towards what my purpose was, towards what my strengths were. He showed me through relationship what that would look like. And so he took me on adventures that made it very clear, but it was not overnight. It was active relationship with God and hearing from him first. It was a process of renewing my mind and that is what led me towards who he created me to be, what he desired me to do. And I really believe that God um, this morning wants to eliminate question marks that you would have over your identity. I think he does not want you to walk into this year with a lack of understanding about who you are and how he has made you. We've been talking this entire series about who coming before what we do. And that is so key that we embrace the fullness of that. We were built to know our identities. And so I'd love to take a moment to pray for us and for us to just be encouraged in possibly taking those steps that I did. The first being receiving by faith how God sees you, receiving his words over any other ones that are running through our minds about how we view ourselves and how we view our identities you are a masterpiece. You are created intentionally and uniquely for the purposes of God. And that second step is beginning the walk of daily agreeing with that, daily receiving those words and allowing them to be the guide over your own. I received a freedom from God when I embraced that truth, but I needed to continually walk in that to see what he had for me. And I think that God really wants to give you a new boldness and contentment in who you are based on how he sees you. So if you'd like to stand with me now, I'd love for us to pray together. And in the same way I took time to pray and hear from God, I would love for that to be a moment for you right now as well, that you would be launched into this year with God's words as your anchor point for your identity in 2024. So I'm hoping we're going to pray together. And I say together because while I might be speaking, I would love for you to be praying this over yourself. If you need to say it out loud, you can say it out loud. But this is a moment where you get to hear from God and receive from him and declare truth over yourself. And so, God, we thank you so much this morning. Thank you, God, for a relationship that is active and personal with you. God, I thank you that we are masterpieces in this room. And if you have to declare that over yourself, I am a masterpiece, you say that out loud. We are masterpieces in this room, God. We have been created uniquely by you, God. There is no one else like us, but you love that. You find joy in that, God. You celebrate it. God, I thank you that you know each and every feature of us, and you love that, but you've created us for purpose. God, you have created us to go, You have created us to do life with one another. And so Lord, I just wanna cut off lies in this moment, God, where the enemy would try to bring doubt over our identity. God, we cut off lies of rejection, God, we cut off lies that we are not good enough, not pretty enough, not the valued person. God, we are valued by you. God, would your opinion be what we see and hear first? God, would your opinion outweigh any other persons in this room, God? Any other person in our workplace, any other person in our family? God, your opinion is number one to us. God, would our identities be so clear in this moment because we know your love for us, that we are your child. God, we rebuke the enemy where he would bring doubt. God, we say no to an enemy who wants to steal purpose. God, we say you are the one who gives that. Lord, we receive what you have to say first. God, we thank you so much that we are loved, that we are chosen that we have spent the last three weeks learning that we are accepted, that we are new creations, that we are your friend. We receive those things in Jesus' name and say, God, would you show us more? Would 2024 be a year of strength upon strength because we receive identity in you and we walk that out with confidence that you partner with us? So Jesus, we just welcome your spirit to move this morning. We thank you so much for who you are and what you do. And Lord, we just are so grateful for your love. So grateful you love us as your children. So we just commit this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit
1: oceans.church.